1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at just the first little bit of verse 10 today, but we're going to read back from verse 4 just so we can have a little bit of context. I thought about that last week. At least it kind of, kind of gets us into it and, and reminds us of, of what Paul was saying before uh, these verses that we're going to look at. And we're just kind of looking at these uh, different spiritual gifts that, that, that Paul's talking about and kind of just taking them out one or two at a time and just kind of unpacking them and, and seeing uh, what Paul was talking about and how do they... Uh, how do they relate in our life today? What are these spiritual gifts? Are, are they still active? Are they not active? These are, are tough questions for us to answer, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the gift of miracles today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities... But the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning as we look at these words. I pray that you help us to get some good from it, dear Lord, as we begin to look at miracles and, and how you worked in the lives of people back when these words were written and how you work in the lives of people today, how you're active in this world, dear Lord. Help us to, help us to understand uh, what, what a miracle is, dear Lord, and help us to understand the most important miracle of Jesus Christ. God, if we don't get anything else today... Let Jesus Christ be glorified for what he did and what he gave on our behalf, dear Lord, that we never take that for granted. So, God, as we talk about miracles and all these things that we're going to discuss today, God, I pray that you are glorified through your word in this place. Hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. The gift of miracles. That's an a, a interesting topic for us to think about today. Now, we, we, we hear and talk about miracles sometimes in our society. For instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you, if you watched the Saints game where they played the Minnesota Vikings, you would have seen uh, at the end of the game, the Saints drove down and scored to take the lead, and it looked like they were going to win the game. Big playoff game. Saints had pulled it through. Drew Brees had did it again. And on the last play of the game was 61 yards to go. It would have taken a miracle for the Vikings to win. And lo and behold, their quarterback rears back, throws the ball. The guy catches it right on the edge of the sideline, keeps his balance, and runs it in 61 yards and scores a touchdown. And that was phrased in that moment, the Minneapolis miracle. Because it was in Minneapolis. Uh, uh, and Minneapolis miracle. Now, we hear phrases like that sometimes in our world today of miracles. And while it was a cool thing and while it was uh, rare and unexpected that it was going to happen, those types of miracles are not the types of miracles that we're talking about here today. While those things are fun to see when your team makes a miraculous play, so to speak, the miracles that we're talking about today in Scripture are much grander than those types of things, are much more significant in those types of things. 
And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says that this is one of the gifts that believers will possess. Now, we talked last week about whether these gifts are still present and whether they exist in our world today. Are some of them still present? Are all of them still present? Have they ceased to exist? And there are two main, uh, main groups. And, and you, everybody in here falls probably in one of these two groups. And I'm going to tell you some big words here, and I'll tell you what they mean. But, but there are two different groups. Uh, one is called, called the cessationist. Now, a cessationist uh, believes that all of these gifts that we're reading about, or at least most of them, cease to exist. That is, once the apostles died and the early church uh, leaders died out, that these gifts no longer exist, that they cease. And so anything uh, that you see people doing and, and saying, oh, I possess this gift, a cessationist would say, no, you don't. You just, you're, 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 you're misunderstanding the scripture. Those things don't exist. And there's another group called the continuationist. The continuationist believes that these spiritual gifts still continue in some form. Uh, whether they occur in the same form as, as what we see in Scripture, uh, they believe that these spiritual gifts are still possessed by people in the world today. Now, there are probably some of you in here that would fall on both sides of that. You would you'd say, well, I'm, I'm not so sure that these gifts still exist. I think they may have passed, or, or I believe that they do uh, still exist in some way, shape, or form. Now... That's between you and the Lord, what you feel the Holy Spirit uh, revealing to you there. But I'll tell you what I believe, and I think it's important for you to know that. I'm the one up here preaching, and what I think, and I think that these gifts do still continue in some way, shape, or form. I stated that last week. I don't know if they are, are, are put on people in the same way that they would have been maybe back in those days, or if the miracles occur at the same frequency of which they did in the early church, uh, even after Jesus has died and the apostles were going... Uh, uh, even in the early church in Acts, you see several of these miracles continuing to take place. Uh, and, and maybe we don't see these same uh, miracles on the same frequency uh, that we saw uh, back in the Old Testament or the New Testament. But I believe personally that these things still exist in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. Now, when we talk about miracles, we're talking about things that, that, that there has to be some kind of divine intervention, things that cannot be explained uh, by modern science, things that doctors say, I just, I don't know how that person got healed. It's a miracle. And, and, and we hear those stories maybe from time to time. You hear those stories that are, are miracle stories. Now, we talked about healing last week. But I think uh, while miracles may include healing, I think it's at a much greater magnitude. It's things that, that, that when people say it, they're, they're really going to be left speechless. There's not going to be an answer for how in the world did that happen. Take, for instance, the Red Sea that we just studied about. That's a miracle, a miracle that a body of water was able to split in two. And there was dry ground underneath for God's people to cross on. It's a miracle, and we see those types of miracles in Scripture, but do miracles like that still happen in the world today? Now, I'll be honest, I haven't heard of any miracles that have to do with seas parting or waters being parted. Now, maybe they happen, and I just don't know about it. Obviously, I don't know everything that goes on in the world. I sh well, I'm, never mind. I'm going to not make that joke. I'll just forget I was even going to make a joke there. 
But there may be some of those things that take place. I don't know, but I don't hear too many stories like that. But most of the miracle stories that I hear have to do with some kind of a miraculous healing or some kind of a miraculous rescue of someone who uh, was in a life or death situation and someone or something rescued them, but there was no one around or, or this happened or that happened. Things that make you think, hmm, wonder what really uh, went on there. Are all the miracles that we hear about really miracles? Well, I would say no. Sometimes you hear of people that, that claim to be miracle workers, that claim uh, to do things that are miracles. And are all those people miracle workers? And are all those things that are done, are they really miracles of God? Well, I don't believe that all of them are. I believe that, 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 that some of these miracle workers may not really be miracle workers at all. As we talk about miracles, if we think that miracles exist, the, the thing that we have to answer, I believe, is, is God behind the supposed miracle that's taking place? How can we determine if a miracle is of God or if it's not of God? Now, there's a couple of ways we could look at this. One is, miracles don't happen. So anybody that says anything miraculous does happen, well, they're either just crazy or, or, or confused or misinformed. Or we could say uh, something did happen, something that cannot be explained happened, and then we have to ask ourselves, was it from God? And if we come to the conclusion that, yes, that was of God, that was to bring glory to God, that was to lead people to Christ, that was to further the kingdom of God, then I believe we can say, well, that's, I believe that that miracle was from God because I see how God worked in that miracle that took place. But if we see something that we can't explain that took place, and it does not give glory to God. It does not give glory to Jesus Christ. God is not praised for the miracle. Jesus Christ is not lifted up as being the one who the miracle is through. If we see an event like that that we can't explain, and God didn't do it, then where did it come from? We talked about that some last week, and I believe that Satan still has power, and he can do things that will deceive many, and we see that in the text. Now, I think it's important when we hear about these modern-day miracles to not immediately just write them off. Or at least for me, I don't. I say, okay, well, let's, let's see. Let's, let, let me see if I think God really might have been at work here. Now, for instance, we see this, and you have all probably seen it at some point in time in your life. There are lots of faith healers out there. These miracle-working uh, men and women who, who heal people from uh, disabilities or, or pains that they have had their whole life. Usually it involves a large amount of faith, as we talked about last week, and generally it also involves a large amount of offering that is given so the healing can be done. But we have to be careful when we look at these people that we see that we are not deceived. There have been many accounts, and none have ever been proven that they have been true of people who uh, have miraculously been cured of their disease, who quit taking their medicine, and two weeks later, they died. But you never see the follow-up with these faith healers. But there have been numerous uh, accounts and numerous investigations, and many of these miracles that are highly promoted ended up with the person still remaining sick in the days or weeks to come, and sometimes dying because they quit taking their medicine or they quit going to the doctor. Now, were those things of God? Did that person die two days later because God had worked a miracle and he took it back? Well, that's kind of a touchy subject. That's, that's something that we have to be careful about 
as Christians that we are not easily deceived. Now, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I don't believe God could do those things or that God does those things. But I also know that there are many people in this world who want to take advantage of people. And not every miracle that we hear about is really a miracle at all. And not every miracle that we hear about may have come from God. Now, there are some scriptures that I'm going to point out to you today, and there are lots of scriptures about miracle. In fact, I uh, printed out a couple of these. You may want them. I didn't print out the two, but I can print out more if anybody wants them. And this uh, goes over all the, uh, all the miracles that we see in the New Testament, breaks up what miracles are in what books and what miracles are covered in multiple uh, books of, of the New Testament, uh, miracles that are done in the early church with Scripture references to all those. If you want to go back and read about the different miracles in the New Testament and kind of see the response and, and what happened in those miracles and how people were healed, you're free to take these. I've got two of them. But if they're gone and you want one, uh, feel free to tell me and I'll print you out another one. That just may be a helpful resource to you if you're going to study some more on miracles. I'm going to read through some scriptures for you this morning. You can follow along if you want to, but there's a few of them and they're kind of long. So I'll, I'll kind of go through them quickly, but I can give them to you later if you want to know where I'm getting these from. And we'll look at these stories and we'll see what takes place and we'll see the response of the people. And I believe that this is important for us to recognize and this has been beneficial for us in trying to determine what miracles are genuine and which miracles may not be genuine or may not be from the Lord. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 verse 21. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. So here we, we see a miraculous event that is taking place. They're in prison and all of a sudden this earthquake takes place and the doors open and the chains fall off of the prisoners. That's a miracle. That's unexplainable. There's no way that that could have happened except for by the power of God or unless somebody had an invisibility cloak and, and, and set off a bomb that caused the ground to shake. I mean, it's just, it's just no way that we can explain that other than it's a miracle of God. The jailer who was there said he knew he was going to be in big trouble. He, he was supposed to be guarding these, these prisoners. All of a sudden, he notices the doors are open. He thinks, okay, everybody's gone. I'm in big trouble now. And then in verse 28, But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Now notice the response of the person who had encountered this miracle. Now this is not a miracle like some of the healings that we see, but look at the response of this jailer here. He trembled at what had took place. He knew something powerful had took place. And so he goes into Paul, and he is trembling before him. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. 
Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. So the miracle that took place is uh, the earth trembled and God opened the doors of the jail cell and the chains fell off. That was the miracle that took place. But the response that took place was one, the person who experienced the miracle knew that God was behind it. And two, Paul preached Jesus Christ through this process. Paul was using this miracle to lead this jailer and his family to Jesus Christ. And at the end, we see the jailer giving God the glory. We see him praising God because of what took place. Here we see a miracle that occurs, and the result of that miracle is praise to God and someone being led to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who begged him, Don't delay in coming with us. So Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs, and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Now here we have a disciple of Jesus Christ, a, 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 a lady who is following the example of the Lord, being obedient to God. She was taking care of those in need. Uh, when Peter got there, they approached him and were showing him the robes, the clothes that she had provided, that she had given to them. Uh, Tabitha, also Dorcas, referred to in this, in this uh, text here. And this lady was a, was a disciple of Jesus Christ who had passed away. And they were deeply grieved because it was a friend. It was, a, it was someone that they loved who had passed away. And they got Peter there. And in verse 40, Then Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. Then he called the saints and widows who, and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed on many days in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. Here we have another example. What was the result of this miracle? A lady is raised from the dead, and the result is, is that people recognize that it is God who is behind the miracle, and people begin to turn to the Lord. We've seen this in both of these examples that we looked at. A miracle is done, and it leads to people coming to Christ. It leads to the gospel being preached. It leads to the kingdom of God being expanded. It does not lead to Paul getting any kind of, any kind of uh, extra, extra uh, uh, praise from the people. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't say that Paul says, oh, look at what I've done. Look how great I am. I'm the great miracle worker. You guys need to pray to me. You guys need to, need to come to me. I'm the one that can heal you. We don't see that in the text. We don't see Peter do that. We don't see any of the emphasis put on them and what they can do or what they have done. The emphasis is always put on the Lord and that the miracles is, are, are done through Jesus Christ. And the result of that, we see the kingdom of God grow. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. This happened right before the verses we just read. As Peter was traveling from place to place, 
He also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Same type of situation. Did Peter heal based on his own power? Did Peter ask for any recognition? Did Peter ask that the people remember him and pray to him in the future for things because of this great act he had done? No, he did not. Peter healed this man in the name of Jesus Christ. It was through Jesus that the miracle was done, and indeed a miracle was done. And what was the response of the people and the result of the miracle that took place? Many saw him and turned to the Lord. You're starting to see the point that I'm trying to get across here. Is when a miracle is done, it should always point to the Lord. It should always give God the glory. It should always promote Jesus Christ as being the one that we have the power to see those miracles and perform those miracles because he is the one who has given us the power to do those things. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Some of you remember these because we've been going through our, our daily Bible reading and we've been reading a lot of these in the book of Acts. I'll take this time to encourage you. If you're not doing that, I encourage you to start. It's not too late. We're not very far in. And you may get some good out of it. Just a chapter a day. I want to challenge you and encourage you as a church. Be on this journey with us if you're not on with us. It's good stuff. I think you'll get something out of it. All right. Back, to the, back to, the, to the real stuff. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, and started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. Now here we have another example. A man who could not walk, and in the name of Jesus Christ, they healed this man. The miracle was done through Jesus. And not only uh, did the man recognize that, he got up, and what did he do? His response was he began to praise the Lord. He did not praise Peter and John for this act. He did not say pray to Peter and John. He says praise the Lord. Here we see a man's life who experienced a miracle, and the result was to praise God through what Jesus Christ had done. Now, Peter and John went on to be arrested and, and put on a little trial there because of what they did. And even on that, they still spoke boldly. They still continued to preach and say, Look, it's Jesus Christ who did this miracle. If we're on, on trial for something that's been done, know that it has indeed been done because you see this man and you see that he's walking. And know this, that Jesus Christ is the one who did this miracle. If you hadn't read those passages, Acts chapter 3 and 4. Good stuff. You'll get some good stuff out of it. Here we see a similar thing. A miracle is done through Jesus Christ. God receives the praise for what takes place. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. 
As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit over for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, Woman, are you free of your disability? Or excuse me, woman, you are free of your disability. Then he laid his hands on her and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. We see example after example in Scripture of what takes place when God does a miracle. Glory is given to him. This woman here, when Jesus healed her, she began to praise the Lord for what takes place. Now, does that mean that everyone in Scripture who saw a miracle and experienced that turned to the Lord? Well, no, there were some who didn't. There were some who saw miracles and did not turn to the Lord. Just because a miracle is done does not mean everyone is always going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But when a miracle is done, it is always done for the glory of God and not for the one who is doing the miracle. And never do they take credit for the miracle. It's always pointed back to the Lord. It's always done through Jesus Christ. And so when we see a supposed miracle that takes place or we encounter someone who says a miracle is done or we encounter another religious group or another denomination that may put a lot of focus on miracle or on people who have supposedly done miracles, we need to ask the question is, is this miracle that's talked about bringing glory to God? Is it building the kingdom and is it promoting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of the world? Now I've read a lot of miracle accounts this week. And I can say that most of the miracle accounts that I've read this week do not bring glory to God. They bring glory to some person who in the past may have been looked at too highly because of something that they were done. People pray to these people who are not Jesus Christ. They don't pray to the Lord. They pray to a person for deliverance. And a miracle supposedly is done. Well, if a miracle is done and they're not praying to the Lord and the miracle is being answered then who is performing this miracle if one is being performed? Well, the only other person with power to do things in this world that are unexplainable would be Satan. And so we need to be careful of the things that we taught, the things that we are exposed to. Now, I did come across one miracle this week that I believe was a genuine miracle. Now, I wasn't there, but I'll tell you the story, and you can either agree or disagree with me. There was a... a guy by the name of David Platt. You may know David Platt. He's the uh, uh, president of the uh, uh, International Mission Board. You've, you've maybe even seen him on videos that we watch. He's wrote a lot of good books. Uh, pretty cool guy. I like uh, a lot of the stuff that he writes and talks about. Anyway, uh, a pretty well-known guy. And, and, and a couple of years back, there were a group of missionaries that were in Southeast Asia and they came back and reported to him a story of an event that took place while they were there. Now, these missionaries had gone to a, a remote village that was unreached by the gospel. These people did not know about Jesus Christ. They had never been reached for the gospel. Uh, and these missionaries went to this small village, and they began to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And after some time, they began to win these villagers over to Jesus Christ. Now, these are villagers who worshipped many idols, who worshipped many gods, and trusted in these gods to answer their prayers and deliver them and give them rain or make their crops grow or whatever it may have been, that need. They trusted in these gods to answer their prayers and to take care of them. Well, these missionaries arrive at this location, and they begin to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the people there begin to burn their idols. 
They, they stop praying to these other gods, and they begin to get rid of all their things, and they begin to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord, right? That's good stuff. Now, there are stories like this all over the world. There are tons of unreached people groups. So praise the Lord for the missionaries who are going. But then something crazy happened after that. A few days after a lot of these people began to turn to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the leader of that tribe in that village died. He passed away. And the villagers began to question Jesus Christ. They began to think that they were being punished, that, 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 that they were being punished because they had turned from their idols to this Jesus, and because of their disobedience that their gods were angry at them, and their gods had killed their leader so that they would know and they would turn from Jesus. And so the villagers began to get their idols back. They begin to, to go back and call out to their idols to, to save them and have mercy on them for what had taken place. Now, the missionaries in the village, they heard of what was going on. And they went to the place where the guy was dead, not with the intention of, of working a miracle. They simply went to the place to pray for the people that through these experiences, God would show his mercy to these people, that they would turn back to him, that they wouldn't abandon him. So they went to the home where this... The guy was dead. The leader of the tribe was dead. And they simply gathered around and they began to pray, God, have mercy on these people. Deliver these people. Let these people see your power, dear Lord. Let them know that you are real. And as they were praying, the leader began to cough. And the leader came back to life. And the response of the people is they cast away their idols and they praised Jesus because they knew the God of the missionaries was greater than their idols. And they led the village to Jesus Christ, and they were obedient to him. Now, some of you may be saying, that's a crazy story. I don't believe that happened. They probably didn't know. They're just a bunch of villagers. They probably didn't know he was dead. They probably, knew, they probably know how to know somebody's dead better than we do. They ain't got any kind of stethoscopes or any kind of modern technology. Some would write off and say, well, he wasn't really dead. Well, maybe he wasn't really dead. But even if he wasn't dead, didn't God pick the most opportune time to bring him back to life? Or to bring breath back into his body? Now some of you may say, that didn't really happen. I don't believe that story took place. But that's the kind of miracle that I do believe really happened. Because the result is, Jesus Christ was preached... It was through Jesus Christ that the missionaries told the people that their leader was healed. And as a result of that, people came to Jesus Christ, the kingdom was built, and they gave glory to God. Now, I believe those kind of miracles still take place today. I believe that God still has the power to do those things. And maybe God does only do those types of things in areas where people like that need to see what happened, where they need to see some miracle to turn to God. Because after all, these people haven't been taught Scripture like you and I have. They may not have been aware of Jesus of the Bible. They may have not have been aware of all the miracles that took place. But they were aware that their leader, whether he was dead or they thought he was dead, they were aware that through the prayers of the followers of Jesus Christ that he was healed. And so I believe that God still does miracles today. You can find many stories of miracles. I, I found uh, one particular group, and they believe in a lot of miracles, and they promote a lot of miracles. One uh, miracle that, uh, that, that is celebrated among them is that uh, there was a time when uh, the Virgin Mary appeared on the roof of a church, and there were doves flying around, and certain people saw her, and that's a miracle that's celebrated among them. 
Well, did it really happen? Did they see something? Maybe, maybe not. But you know what didn't happen in that instance? Is nobody gave glory to God. There was no lives that were changed. Jesus Christ was not, was not, was not preached and taught. All the focus was on the Virgin Mary and the things that were seen. Did they see something? Possibly so. Do I believe that it was from God? I don't believe it was. Because there was no glory that was given to God. There was, the kingdom was not promoted. There were not people whose life were changed. People didn't leave praising God. People left praising the Virgin Mary and praying to her all the more. And so we have to be careful when we see these miracles. And we have to say, look, can God still do these things? Well, that's something that you have to decide. That's something that you have to think about in your own life. But as I talked about last week, we don't want to be too quick to write those things off. At least pray about it. At least see what God has done and see, has God used this supposed miracle to make a change in someone's life? Now, I know when we talk about miracles, we typically talk about things that cannot be explained by science. And for some, uh, they would say that science and Christianity are at odds with one another, and I don't believe that to be the case at all. I believe that science and Christianity can go together uh, just fine. But, but even things that, that, that can be explained, in my opinion, are still miracles. For instance, when you look at modern science and they're able to study the body and they're able to see how our bodies were formed and each little thing that has to take place for a, for a life to be, uh, to be created in the womb, not by science, but by God, but as they explain how that process takes place and the cells form and lung, uh, lungs form and air begins to come into lung and a heart begins to beat and brain cells are formed and arms and legs and toes are formed until a child is grown in the womb and enters this world. That's explained by science, but boy, I think that's a miracle. When I look at what God has done, that we can breathe a breath, that's a miracle. It can be explained, but it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have an earth, that if it was just a few degrees one way or another, we would either freeze to death or we would melt. That's a miracle. Now, science would say it just, it just it, it happens this way and this is how. Yeah, it can be explained how it happens maybe. But it doesn't mean that it's not a miracle. It doesn't mean that there is a wonderful, mighty God who put these things into place. And I cannot believe at all that these things just happened. I believe that God is the creator. I don't believe there's any way that I could take a breath or we could live on a planet that has air and that we could survive except for by the power of God. And in my mind, that's a miracle. Maybe not in the same sense of what Paul was talking about. Maybe not along the same lines of what the miracles that we've talked about today. But I think it's clear. It should be clear to all of us when we look around, when we see ourselves in a mirror, that miracles are done. But the greatest miracle of all is Jesus Christ. The greatest miracle of all is the fact that God would come in the flesh as Jesus Christ and would suffer and would die a gruesome, horrible death on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven. That's a miracle. But not for everyone. For some people, they would say, that's a lie. It didn't happen. For some people, they would say, well, it did happen, but Jesus was just a fool. Wasn't nothing special about that. But for me, I say that's a miracle. That's a miracle that Jesus Christ would die on a cross for our sins. 
And some of you would say, well, I've never seen a miracle before. I've never seen someone raised from the dead. I've never seen anything really uh, extraordinary in my life. And maybe God's not going to reveal those things to you and I because we already have evidence of them. We shouldn't need to see miracles to have faith in God. After all, if we're looking for a miracle to have faith in God, then that's not really faith at all. Maybe God doesn't reveal Himself to some people in the same way He does to others. It's because we don't need to see proof of a miracle because we have a book full of proofs of miracles that we can read every day. From beginning to end, we see the mighty power of God. From the creation of the earth to the parting of the Red Sea to resurrection of dead people coming to life and more importantly, for Jesus Christ who died and was resurrected never to die again. You see, there were lots of people in Scripture that were raised from the dead, but there was one thing different from them and Jesus Christ. They went on to die again. Even though a mighty work was done, a miracle was performed, those people went on to die again. But Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, was buried in the grave and was resurrected, He conquered death, never to die again. And that's a miracle. And the greatest miracle of all is He did that for you and I so that we could be forgiven of our sins. We need to be careful because we have the greatest miracle in the world, but we also have an enemy that is relentless in this world. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. Now, this is a good word of warning here that we see in 2 Thessalonians. It talks about the power of the lost one. It talks about these false miracles and signs that will be performed, and many will be deceived. There will be many who are deceived. There will be many who are religious, who are deceived by signs and wonders, who follow a false Jesus, as 2 Corinthians tells us, as Paul tells the people. He says, don't follow a false Jesus. Not that there are multiple Jesuses, but there are many religious groups. There are many people out there today who are preaching and teaching a Jesus who is not of Scripture that we read. It's different. Not the Son of God. Not God in the flesh. All these things that there are many other groups that are very religious but teach things that are not what the Bible teaches. They are teaching and preaching a false Jesus. And Paul warns the people, don't give in to these false Jesuses. Don't give in to the things that you see because they may not all come from God. There will be many false signs and false miracles that will be worked through Satan. So when we hear about miracles... When we see miracles, we need to say, does it match up with what a miracle is in Scripture? Because a miracle in Scripture points to the Lord. A miracle in Scripture is done through Jesus Christ. A miracle in Scripture gives glory to God and sees that lives are changed and the kingdom of God is built up. And we see that time and time again throughout Scripture. So whether miracles still exist today in the form they did then, I believe they do. But that's something you have to decide for yourself. But if they do, then we need to realize what's of God and what's not of God. 
And we need to realize that the greatest miracle that we have ever received is Jesus Christ. And not forget that. That if we never see a miracle in our life, if we never see a dead person raised or a person levitating or someone living without eating food for, for 40 years, as some of these miracles that you may see in the world are proposed, if we never see any of those supposed miracles, we don't need to because we see Jesus Christ and Christ crucified in Scripture, and that is all we need. There is nothing greater. There is nothing more. There is nothing we can turn to. It's only through Him that we receive forgiveness and are redeemed. The question is, are you going to be those like Second Thessalonians talks about that has rejected that, rejected that love and that truth, or are you going to be one who embraces that love and that truth, who is not deceived by the lies of Satan and is not delivered into darkness, but those who see the light, those who see the love, those who see the truth of Jesus Christ and come to Him, we all have that choice to make. If you have never chose Jesus Christ, I pray that you do that today. Let's pray. Father God, as we talk about miracles today, we talk about some, some gnarly stuff that goes on in our world, some of which we're not sure about, some of which we, we believe you're behind, dear Lord. But God, as we talk about and think about our miracles done, God, let us not forget the most important thing, and that is Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. He is the greatest miracle of all. When we talk about the gift of miracles, dear Lord, there is no greater gift of a miracle than your Son. So I pray, God, that if there are some in this room that have not accepted Jesus Christ, maybe they've been deceived by some false teachings or something that someone has told them that's just not of you, dear Lord. Let the Holy Spirit help us to be able to discern what's of you and what's not of you. God, I pray that you do miracles where they need to be done, dear Lord, that lives are changed, that your kingdom is built, that Jesus Christ is preached and taught, dear Lord, so that souls can be saved, God. We, I just pray that you would just help us not to deny when we see miracles, dear Lord, but just trust that you can do what you need to do, God, when you need to do it. And I pray, God, that if there is one that's convicted today, maybe they've just not been living the way they should. Maybe the day they realize that their sinfulness is greater than they thought. God, I pray that you also help them to realize today that your grace is greater than they could have ever imagined through Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray this morning that if there is a lost soul here, that they would confess their sins, that they would turn to Jesus Christ, that they would come down and make that known, that they would profess that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would come and follow through in baptism as your word commands, dear Lord God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.